become a nightmare Signs of the time are on cardboard on corners in town Like a cancer that's silently spreading There's an unspoken fear We're on our way down We must eat America back Hey, welcome back to the top of the second hour of National Intel Report live on Republic Broadcasting Network, Liberty Lighthouse on Mojo 50 Radio and Patriot Nation Radio Network and anywhere else that you might hear or see the program. So I've been teasing this big announcement. Y'all ready for it? It's a big announcement for me anyway. You might, I have no idea what you're going to feel about it. But I, but I also have to say that I, I don't have any more show plans. So I need your calls to get me through the next hour. But the big announcement, first off, first, not, this is not the big announcement. This is just a, another plead. Please go to liberty-lighthouse.com and click the win a book button at the top of the page. I'm giving out my books. Got three of them so far. Fourth one in the works. Giving out my books for free. All you got to do is fill out the form. I pay postage and everything, and I, you know, I randomly draw names and stick them in the mail. That's all there is to it liberty-lighthouse.com, click the big blue with a book button right at the top of the page. So the big announcement. Yeah, this is the last time I'm going to be hosting National Intel Report here on Republic Broadcasting Network. And it's the last time for at least a while that I'll be hosting Liberty Lighthouse either. See, I've been doing this show, this radio show, this podcast-turned-radio show for a little over four years. And I, apparently, I'm, I'm missing that, that it factor. I've been doing it for that long, and I'm not growing at all. Same people that have been listening now are the same people that started listening years ago. Like Sarah Nichols, Sarah's always been one of my biggest cheerleaders since I started the show. And I love you, Sarah, but I'm not going to keep doing the show just for you. So RBN is switching things up, and I've always been just a fill-in host here on on Republic Broadcasting Network. This was never officially my time slot. I'm filling in for the the late, great uh, uh, John Stadmill. And they're switching up their lineup, so I'm losing my spot on RBN. And I've decided... I've decided that I'm going to I'm going to give up my show entirely. I'm going to focus on writing. One of the things I'm going to do in that is I'm going to I'm going to go back to Substack and update my Substack page, which it's there haven't done much with it forever. So if you want to go to libertylighthouse dot substack.com and subscribe you can see where i'm still what i'm doing i'm I'm still going just gonna do it in written form instead of audio and you can continue to follow me at liberty-lighthouse.com website's gonna have to go through some changes and uh well 
take the video and audio stuff off of it and focus on writing. I've got my fourth book. I'm going to say 80 to 90% done. Trust Shattered is the name that I'm working with until maybe a publisher tells me it's not a good name. Looking for a publisher for that. I'm continuing to publish articles. So that's the big announcement. I'm giving up radio. If you have questions, comments, or concerns, phone line is open, 512-248-8252, or text 64MyRights, 646-974-4487. Let's see, we got Chris over at uh, RBN's YouTube page. Sorry to hear that. I enjoy your program. Thank you, sir. Oh, I appreciate that, Chris. Thank you very much. Curtis telling me that uh, Mojo has an 11 a.m. spot open. Yeah, no, I got a regular full-time job, Curtis. I can't do that. That's part of the problem with me and radio. I really only have Thursday evenings available as a time that I can carve out and, and say, this is when I do my show. That's And that's limiting. That's very limiting to, to a network, and that's limit, li, limiting to, uh, to what, what I can do. So, yeah, go back to what it is. <laughs> now we got Gaggenheimer. Maybe you're no longer relevant. Well, quite honest, I don't know that I ever was relevant. I don't know that I was ever... I, I, I don't know that I was ever big enough to be considered relevant. I tried four years and I'm missing that it factor. I don't have whatever it is that builds a big following. Okay. I'm okay with that. I never wanted to get rich or famous. Just wanted to get the word out. Sarah in Oregon, line one, welcome to the show. Good luck in what you're doing. Good luck, luck in your future endeavors, because we know that the the landscape is changing. But we'll wish you good luck, and hopefully, the magic will return someday. <laughs> bye bye. Adios. Sarah has always been one of the biggest supporters. And always been out there, you know, spreading my stuff. So, I, you know, I, I write articles every week, and then I also, you know, work on books. So one of the things that I've got going on is I'm going to start putting the articles straight on Substack instead of through my own website. So hopefully you'll find me there, libertylighthouse.substack.com. Those articles are not only posted on my stuff, but also at AFNN, Americans Free News Network. And the Institute on the Constitution has, has shown an interest in starting to share some of my articles. Of course, they're only going to share the ones that fit their organizational agenda as well. And RBN is going to help me share share my articles. So you'll be able to go to uh, republicbroadcasting.com Org. Um, wow, republicbroadcasting.org, and and find my stuff there too. 
So that's the articles. And then, of course, I still got all the contacts from everybody at Mojo Five O Radio, Patriot Nation Radio Network, and here at Republic Broadcasting. So when the new book comes out, hopefully all of these other people will have me on as guests to talk about my new book. And, well, you can follow the Substack. Maybe if there are any other hosts out there listening right now, subscribe to the Substack. And if you see an article that catches your eye and you want me to come talk about it, I can still do the guest thing. It's the carving out a specific time to do a live show that's been challenging for me and my life in general and especially the coming month of December. Those of you that listen know that I'm a, a full-time mailman. And in the month of December, I never know when I'm going to get done with my regular job, come home. There were several weeks last year where I had backup hosts just in case I didn't get home in time. And honestly... I almost thought I couldn't get there now, today. Like, it was it was a rough day. Uh, Curtis over in YouTube says that I'll be missed. Well, thank you, Curtis. Right, there's a couple of you out there that are, that will probably miss me and a, a couple of you that have been supportive for a long time. And I appreciate that. And uh, let's see. Somebody's just going nuts over here in the Twitch chat room. Uh, have you considered becoming hard right wing? The European libertarian fascists are on the rise. Are they're winning in the elections? They've taken the Netherlands. <laughs> uh, well, I bet you dealt with a few male end bouts. Wow. That's just all wrong. Anyway. Huge thank you to RBN, Patriot Nation Radio Network, and Mojo Five O Radio. Um, you know, I started this, I, I, I've told this story a few times. I first got involved in politics, started paying attention to politics like you know, six-ish years ago. And I started looking around thinking, something ain't right. Something just doesn't make sense. And I didn't know where I fit in the political spectrum at that time. But I felt I needed to do something. So I wrote my first book. It's a little itty-bitty, tiny, short book. Progress, really. One Man's View of Social Progress in America. And it was basically just me looking at so-called social projects during my own lifetime. Then I started a podcast, called it Liberty Lighthouse. And shortly thereafter... Um, I joined the Mojo Five O Radio Network. I started having guests on and talked to a lot of people, including a presidential candidate and lots of authors and entrepreneurs. And there's a lot of smart people out there. Some of those smart people had really simple ideas that I thought, hey, that could work. So I started paying attention and jotting a few of those down. And I wrote my second short little book. So simple, even a politician can understand. Simple ideas for seemingly complex political issues. That second book's a dozen or so ideas that came from the show, came from 
you know, things that came up in conversation or, or things that were suggested by guests of the show. And at that point, I started realizing, hey, I'm, I'm pretty conservative. I'm pretty far to the right on the political spectrum. Then, just in the last year, I had this idea that, you know, what's wrong with our country? Like, why are we allowing our government to do way worse than what King George was doing? And we're just sitting back and letting it happen. So that was the, the idea behind my third and most recent book, uh, a more tyrannical king. How the federal government has become more oppressive than King George. I don't understand why everybody's just willing to roll over and take it. I use the example all the time. I talk about the, the Boston Tea Party. Don't remember the Boston Tea Party, right? Some patriots dressed up as Native Americans and threw tea in the Boston Harbor. That was that was to protest a tax that would have cost the colonies the equivalent of about three hundred thousand dollars in today's money. A year. Three hundred thousand dollars a year. But we sit here today and we allow our government to not only tax us to the tune of $4 trillion a year, but then to go on and spend almost another $2 trillion a year beyond that. And American citizens just roll over and take it. When was the last time you pulled out the Declaration of Independence and read the 27 grievances against King George? You can read those 27 grievances and make correlations to today. But we don't do anything. We've got the big uniparty. The donkeys and the elephants. They're going to save us. The donkey, you know, Democrats and Republicans. They're going to save this country. Even though that's the two of them that have got us into the mess that we have now. We got an article written and I can't remember if it's posted yet or if it's one of the ones that's scheduled to post here soon. It's about the primary election process. And I know I've said this on the show before, but the more you think about it, that's the root of our problem, or a root of the problem. These two parties, the Democrats and Republicans, have been in control, in charge for so long that they have passed laws limiting who can be on the primary election ballots. 
And who can even be in the primary election? These two parties have passed laws limiting other parties being able to join the primaries and made the rules for who can qualify within those two parties. But they made these rules and then passed them as law. That's weird. Because a primary election, that is how, well, that's how a private organization chooses what candidate they're going to put on the ballot for the general election. It is a decision to be made by party members of a private organization. There should be no laws about that. How would you feel if all of a sudden the government started passing laws about internal elections at your local American Legion or your local church or your local charity? They're all non-profit, private nonprofit organizations too. What's the difference between laws governing primary elections and laws governing who becomes the grand poobah of whatever fraternal organization? There is no difference that I see. And then to take that a step further, the Democrats and Republicans that have been in charge for so long well, they make you and I pay for these primary elections. These publicly funded selections of position within a private organization. How is that publicly funded? It's insane. Anyway, that article's scheduled to post next week. I looked it up while I was ranting. Misty in Kansas. Line one, welcome to the show, Misty. Okay, good show. I enjoyed that gentleman. Uh, I'm sorry, Patrick? What's that? Joe, Joe Lombardi from Ironhawk. Oh, Hawk there you go. I said Lombardi. Okay, but anyway, I just wanted to call Peter and say, you know, I understand my husband is a rule carrier. And Me too. Pardon? Me too. I'm a rural carrier. Oh, are you? Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm kind of going to switch subjects here, if you don't mind. And, and it's uh, a live show that happens. Pardon? I said it's a live show that happens. Sweet. So what do you think about all this? And what do you think about Amazon? I mean, they don't pay their fair share, do they? Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know if they pay their fair share, you know, in the world of taxes, um, it's You're my delivering their packages, though, when they get a tax break, correct? I assume. I don't know. My It's my understanding that Amazon pays $2 per package. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you could be correct. My husband is a steward, the union steward. And, uh, uh, yeah, and what do you think? Are they trying to privatize it? What's going on here? You there know, have been, 
there have been efforts to privatize the post office forever. Mm-hmm. And I, okay, so I started the post office uh, about nine years ago. And at the time, they were talking about going to five-day-a-week delivery instead of six. Mm-hmm. Which, okay, that would save a ton of money. I mean, a ton. Because you would need a lot fewer part-time people. You would pay a lot less in overtime. It would save a ton of money. A rural but driver a, doesn't get overtime, does he? Not mine. Oh, no, only for like three weeks in December. But Did they switch your route to you have no more X days? I still get an X day every once in a great while. Oh, they so... Get, so they, you didn't get every other Saturday off with this last... Oh, I've never had Saturdays off. I, I get Friday Sunday. Okay. It must be different. I, I yeah, it, it depends on the route. Cool. It depends on the route evaluation and all that kind True. of stuff. I'm a, I'm a K route, which means that I do get a day off every week. Mm-hmm. But I'm not high enough on the seniority list to get two consecutive days off. So I have Friday and Sunday. Mm. Um, here's what really ticked me off, especially today. Mm. So there's a relatively new Amazon distribution center about 40 miles away, 45 miles away, something like that. And I don't know, a month, two months ago, maybe sometime, I'm going to say sometime during the summer, they started delivering packages. And our, at the post office, our package volume went way down. And it was nice. Man. See, I, start, I started delivering right before the Amazon contract. So I saw what it was before Amazon, and then I saw what Amazon did to our jobs. And then, you know, for a little bit, had this thing. So that went on for a while. Amazon was delivering the majority of their own packages, and, and it was a, a reasonable workload again. And then... Like last week, they oh, you're decided, heading oh, into trouble, honey. I understand why you're having to move. <laughs> so you're heading into trouble. It's that time, ain't it? So they were they were delivering the big stuff, but then leaving the little stuff for us because you know mm-hmm. they're not allowed to put packages in mailboxes. Only the post office could do that. So they were leaving the little stuff for us, which is great because I you know I can just throw it in a mailbox. No problem. Loved it. It was great. Then. This week, like as of Monday, my God, you would think that Amazon was on strike and they weren't delivering any of their own stuff again. Mm-hmm. Today, I had so much stuff that I had to take two trips in order to get everything in my government vehicle that they forced me to take. So Today, how many packages do you have? My husband's topped out at 81. Which my oh, my God. I had 200 and, 248 scans today. It's 248 times that I had Those to take a package. Those are all Amazon go- packages? No, not all. Not all. But I'm mostly. <laughs> but, but it's not even December yet. the ones that are screwing the post office. Amazon. See, they're not know. paying their fair share. I don't know what their fair share is because they take, they bring, they Amazon, they pay for everything all the way up to delivery at your local post office. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what it costs the post office 
to sort out that Amazon pallet, divide it up by the routes, and deliver it when the delivery driver is already going to be making the route anyway. $2 might be fair for that. I don't know. But what I do know is my little post office building was not designed for the volume of packages that we have today. And that is the majority of the stress of my day is the space in the office. Misty, feel free to hang on, but it's break time. Coming back on the other side, three minute break. Homeowners, if your lender has gone out of business or sold your transaction to another lender or servicer, you may be the victim of a wrongful foreclosure resulting in the loss of your home. If you've already lost your home, are in foreclosure, or even in good standing, you can challenge the mortgage transaction's illegal issue and your property can be restored to you, and your foreclosure can be stopped or reversed and the mortgage transaction declared unenforceable. State laws, U.S. title codes, the Uniform Commercial Codes, and U.S. Supreme Court rulings have upheld that defective mortgage documentations can reverse or stop foreclosures and enforce property title claims in favor of the homeowner. We are having successes in stopping the process of foreclosure, the enforcement of the foreclosure judgments, the sale of property, and evictions after the sale. We are not attorneys, and we don't give legal advice. We are a professional team of legal researchers, providing forensic mortgage audits and expert witnesses. We have the knowledge to produce the evidence and enforce laws regarding your legal issues. We've been in business for 12 years without a complaint. Consultations are free, and we provide a free title search to confirm if your mortgage has legal defects. Email tom at republicbroadcasting.org. T-O-M at republicbroadcasting.org. Here's some interesting news. Due to all the recent claims about possible nuclear wars, viruses, solar flares, and civil unrest, people are scrambling to prepare and stockpile food. But the one thing out of reach for many is an underground bunker. Until now. Because you can now have a 3D printed underground bunker in just one day. An excavator digs a hole in your backyard, and 3dbunkers.com shows up in a small truck and sets up their 3D printer under a tent completely undetected. They can print as many rooms as you want at a fraction of the cost compared to traditional metal bunkers. 3D Bunkers uses polymer concrete, which is five times stronger than regular cement. YouTube 3DBunkers.com and watch the video. The creators of 3D Bunkers is looking for a business partner that can help bring this technology to the world. And we need to protect our way of life without living in fear. Contact Brad at 3DBunkers.com for more details or visit 3DBunkers.com. Are you sick of censorship? TLB Talk is the cure. TLB stands for truth, liberty, and balance. We are the newest and most unique social media platform to hit the Internet. We were built out of necessity because Big Tech, Big Pharma, and Big Brother are out of control. The only thing bigger than them is when we the people are united. With that vision, TLB Talk was born. Our battlefield is in cyberspace. The battle we're in can be won by clicks of buttons and voting with your wallet. TLB Talk has no hidden agendas, no corporate funding, and we do not sell, trade, or give away any of your information. Our platform runs off of generous donations of members and merchandise profits. So please, check out our site. It's the best around. And be sure to stop by our store. It's loaded with items that'll have you feeling a sense of member pride and victory. Come unite with us today at TLBtalk.com and join the social media revolution. Hey, welcome. 
Welcome back. It's the final segment of tonight's Republic Broadcasting Network, Liberty Lighthouse, National Intel Report, blah, 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 blah. It's my final segment, well, for this foreseeable future. It's my last show. So please, because I am not giving up the fight, I'm just giving up the radio. So please, go to liberty-lighthouse.com and uh, click the win a book link and become a subscriber that way so that I can keep you up to date with what's going on. And go to my Substack, libertylighthouse.substack.com. That's where I'm going to start putting my weekly articles. And I'd really appreciate if you uh, subscribe there, follow me there, and see what I have to write. I'm giving up the radio to focus on writing. And this is my last show. And there you are. Uh, let's see. We got Misty in Kansas was on hold. We were talking about the post office and Amazon and how they're making my life hell. Yeah, correct. I just think it's getting to the point to where, you know, they're kind of pushing this. You know, it's like, I know with my husband, I'm sure you see it. It's, you know, you can go right, you know, 10 minutes away and go to the Walmart and buy you some dog food, but they want it delivered. And you can't blame the customer. You can't blame, you really can't blame the customer. paper, just stupid, stupid stuff. But you you can't blame the customer. I'm not blaming the customer, but let let me take this on a different route. If I need to go in the post office and mail a package to uh, my mother-in-law, it's going to cost me flat rate how much, but mm-hmm. Amazon is only pay- paying $2. So do you see, people wonder why the stamps go up and all that craziness. Yeah. It's because but, of that. But what the difference is, is that when you take your package to, the, to your local post office, mm-hmm. It's going to a postal employee who's going to put it on a postal truck, who's going to drive it to a distribution center, who's going to fly it to another distribution center, mm-hmm. who's going to drive it to another local post office. Amazon skips all of those steps and takes it directly to the post office that's going to deliver it. They do 90% of the work. I understand. I don't know the $2 flat rate that Amazon is paying is sufficient. I understand. Well, and at the same time, are you, are you lifting, you know, 60-pound boxes to take up to somebody's, your rule? So if mm-hmm. you're rule like I'm rule, I mean, it could be, goodness, a good ways to get to their house. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, but that's the job. That's what we signed up for. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay, I just really, I just find it interesting, and I think people need to really consider that as to why everything is going up, and, you know, and at the same time, DeJoy, he, my husband used to have every other Saturday off. He had a relief driver, but Mm -hmm. he got an X day if he had to work. No more. They changed that. He's working six days a week. 300 oh, miles total. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They changed his route evaluation. He went from a H yeah, route did. to a K route mm-hmm. or one or the other. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a K. 
a, a Kate route, which means I get a relief day every week. Um, but yeah, yeah there's but a lot they of change the route when it's slow. When they went to this, they went to this computerized route evaluation stuff. Mm-hmm. A lot of people got their routes messed up. I I got really lucky, and and I only changed by like an hour. Um, a lot of people weren't getting their paychecks either. Yeah, there was a big problem with that. We had like several people in my office that didn't get mm-hmm. paid for weeks. Mm-hmm. It was, it's terrible. There's been a lot of messed up at the post office. Oh um, yeah, and, and and I'm gonna have to let you go, Misty. But you're right. The, the $2 that Amazon pays per package is definitely something worth looking into. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's if it's appropriate or not, but I do know why they get it. Like, I know why they get a special rate. Whether that's the appropriate special rate, I'm not sure. Yeah, there you go. Analyze that. Thank you, Peter. Sure thing. You take care you. of yourself now. Thank you, Misty. Hey, uh, make sure you're subscribed to my website and my Substack and all that kind of stuff, and we can keep in touch. I definitely will. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Today, I realized why people go postal. It's not the monotony of being on the route. It's not the customers that you see day in and day out. It's the sorting in the incredibly limited space of our post office, and and now with with the Amazon packages, that just makes it insane. I've got about 50 square feet of space to to sort out my parcels. And like I said earlier, I had 223 or something like that, par- 248 parcels today. Now imagine trying to organize and put in order 248 parcels in 50 square feet of space. And oh, by the way, all of those parcels are in that space to begin with before you start organizing and sorting. So, yeah, that's why people go postal. It's insane. Mike in Kentucky on line three. Welcome to the show, Mike. Well, a couple of things uh, I'd like to dredge up from the past with the United States Postal Service where they were being trashed in the media. But first, the White House says the chocolate ration has been increased five grams a week. And the annual... (laughs) The annual inflation rate fell in October to its lowest level since March 2021, and the monthly inflation rate was zero. But on the White House Facebook page, it's pretty hilarious. There's like uh, 3,000 comments. This was just posted 20 minutes ago. There's 3,000 comments, 317 shares, and everybody is trashing the White House. They're all like, this is gaslighting. If I've ever seen it, I'm so done with this administration. Uh, Wait, we got, we got to stop. I got to stop. It's hilarious. I, 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 you, oh, I almost fell out of my chair. That was so funny. Anybody out there listening who does not get the, uh, you know, chocolate ration increase to five grams a week reference. 1984. That is a direct reference to to uh, George Orwell, nineteen eighty four, where they actually cut the chocolate ration, but told people that they were increasing yeah. the chocolate ration, and people were expected to just suck it up and believe it and go along. Winston, and most Winston, people did. Winston Smith worked for the Ministry of Information or whatever they called it. The Ministry, and of Truth. Uh, so he got this notice that. Uh, chocolate ration was going to be decreased 15 grams a week. And then he got another notice that said, no, okay, we're going to just decrease it 10 grams a week. So he wrote it that 
it was increased. You still got less, but it was less than what they initially were going to cut it. So that got yeah. flipped to increase of five grams. So and that is exactly what typical, this White House typical. does when it when it comes to inflationary stuff. Like they talk about Lars. oh, inflation is down to only four percent. Yeah, well, it's down to 4% after being 8% last month. But the goal was 2 So it's 4% on top of the 8%. And most people just don't seem to get that. Like Black Friday deals. 20% off are already jacked up prices that are 50% more than they were in the summer. Uh, <laughs> stuff like that. Uh-huh. So I started hearing... And I read about it, and I couldn't believe it. It was just right across the board, coordinated media attacks on the Postal Service back about, I don't know, 2011 or something. It was during the Obama second administration. And that what that happened was they were the amortization tables or whatever for the U.S. Postal Service. They wanted it funded. They wanted the pension funds. Yes. Padded. Five billion dollars a year, mm-hmm. every year for I think ten years, because they wanted fifty billion dollars set back for postal service workers projected out that wouldn't even be born yet. That yeah. was like twenty eleven. So, but the news media did the same Orwellian crap. They said the postal service is five billion dollars in debt before they sell one postage stamp. It's mismanagement, you know, and it's all this stuff. And it was because Congress was making them. Fund their pension uh, right. plans out. The people that ain't even born yet. It's let me, just let propaganda me, right out of Orwell's 1984. Let, let me and, let me put put a little finer point on what 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 happened there. Yeah, Congress passed a law that said that the United States Postal Service had to fund the medical insurance and retirement plans of all postal employees 20 years in advance. Yeah. Now, they passed that law, which only applied to the United States Postal Service. It did not apply to any other government agency. Right. Or any private sector business. Only the United States Postal Service. At a time when there was a lot of talk about taking the Postal Service private. And my own personal, what I think was going on there, is that that was an effort to to paint the Postal Service as a completely bankrupt, money-losing endeavor that could only be saved if it was made private, so that a couple of those, uh, those, those Congress people could come in and buy it. Yeah. My point about it, though, was the lapdog <laughs> lap press just went right wow. along with it, and there was yep. no response for reporting on that unless you dug and found what was going on. And I had a retired Postal Service guy tell me, he said, you know, you're the one of the few people in the media that actually understands what's going on, because I reported on it in the local on my local cable station, and it got back to him. He was my letter carrier, and uh, he's since retired, but he was like... You're, you're like the only person I've talked to in the media or otherwise that actually understands what's going on here. And, of course, I always thought FedEx was a pun anyway, like, you know, 
getting rid of the federal government, FedEx. But um, no, that uh, it's just another example of how media doesn't think that it's like they're what we used to call in the 80s rip and read radio they just you know take it right off the wire service and don't uh question it it's just read it off and the uh um uh the uh of course when i had writing for uh print media or journalism and stuff like that that's what they made us do we had to go to a media outlet get the associated press or Back then, you still had UPI, uh, whatever wire service you could get a hold of. And we had to rewrite what was coming off the teletype. Mm-hmm. Because it was horribly written. And most of the stuff was, you know, incomplete. Not like newspaper, you know. But even the newspaper does this. And of course, the local paper did this to me. They trashed me. And then when I called them up and said, hey, why didn't you bother to try to contact us to get our side of the story? And they rewrote it, but they rewrote the same dang story, and they put my side of the story, like, turned to Section 2B, you know, in the back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every media outlet did that to me, except for one, and all they did was print an editorial that said, the law is the law. Well, sure it is. The law is the law, except where it's not enforced by policy or, you know, all kinds of exceptions are made, you know. But uh, anyway, the... the, the, the uh, Trump jumped on the bandwagon and started saying that the Postal Service got a bad deal, or they they made a bad deal. And I think that's kind of what you're talking about with this, uh, where they're delivering all these other packages for other people. And, however, does the Postal Service maintain a big fleet of airplanes? They don't, yeah. right? I mean, there might be some bush pilots that are still delivering in the middle of Alaska or somewhere, you know. <laughs> But they don't maintain a big fleet of planes. So what Trump and the media never talked about was how many tons of air freight that they got in the deal. So they don't have to maintain a a fleet of planes. They use DHL, FedEx, whoever, UPS. They get to put bags and bags and bags on those planes. Right? Yeah, they, they... You know, they buy the space or lease well, the space. Well, they're trading it. It's a barter deal, basically. You gotta, you gotta do. Then they're putting it on you to deliver all these packages, these little two dollar packages. You know, even if it's a, like you talked about, or like that previous caller said, a fifty pound bag of dog food, which I've never ordered a fifty pound bag of dog food that way, but I guess you can. Oh, I, yeah, yeah, I deliver a lot of them. Well, during COVID, did they not? Because that's what all of our neighbors did, and we're rural free delivery. We had to put some kind of a box or a basket down by the post, down by the uh, the uh, mailbox for these deliveries to go in. It depends. Uh, we're, we're, well, we're, you know, if if your driveway, if your front door is more than a half a mile from oh, your mailbox, yeah. we all did that though on this this road, and and. Uh, yeah, we have I'm a sure letter carrier that's a neighbor, and she put a plastic box out by her mailbox for all her packages. I, I Some of ours got delivered in hers. <laughs> she had to call us and say, hey, you got like four or five packages over here in my box, you know, because they got misplaced. But I just think it, I, I get kind of tired of the Postal Service being trashed, especially after I saw the Kevin Costner movie, The Postman. <laughs> 
Well, I tell people all the time, you know, you know, it's like you introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Peter. And they're like, well, what do you do? Oh, I'm a mailman. And they're like, oh, that's a great job. And my response to them is always, no, it's not. Yeah. The job The job people too. I know a guy whose mom worked until like six months before she died. She was in her 70s. And yeah. they, in Houston, Texas, they just could not find people. And the people yeah. that What I tell people there, all the time is the pay and the benefits are great. The job sucks. And here, here, a little quick story. When I was applying at the post office, of course, I looked up what does a mail carrier make? And I saw that, you know, the the average mail carrier makes like $75,000 a year or something like that. And I thought to myself at the time, why? It's a menial job that requires no education. Why does it pay $75,000 a year? Then I get the job. And I want to stab people every day. And I went, oh, that's why it pays so well. Between well, back in the me. 90s, back in the 1990s, I worked in a fairly medium-sized metropolis, you might say. Six or 800,000 people. And I would walk or ride my bicycle to go get lunch. And in the afternoon, in a church parking lot, I kept seeing this guy sitting in his mail carrier vehicle after he had delivered the mail to our business. And finally, one day, I just walked up because I talked to him. We we had you know rapport, but I finally caught him while he was sitting there, and he was looking at a Victoria's Secrets catalog in the in the back of the van. And I'm like, "Hey, man, what's going on?" And so he had to explain to me that the union, when he finished his route. He was not allowed to go back to the post office, even though he was done like two hours early. And they had, you know, I'm sure that this, you know, through the 90s, this kept happening. I talked to different carriers about it. But the union would uh, negotiate these routes, you know. And, uh, of course, in fair weather uh, leading up to Christmas, you would have less, you know. But, I mean, obviously now, this time of the year, man, they, they're overloaded, right? That's what happens. Is the route is, has to be adjusted for for the different times of the year uh, yeah, back well, then. It's it's also different between city carriers and rural carriers. If, if, oh, yeah. you know, if, your, if your mailman wears a uniform, he... He's got a completely different union and a completely different pay structure than the uh, the mail carrier that doesn't wear a uniform. I know it's kind of scary in the last few years seeing these vehicles looking pretty run down and oh, yeah, you know, they've, they've just delight. got a magnetic sticker on on, a, on any old vehicle they can get that's white. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, I I had uh, for for several years was was uh, required to have my own. POV, my own privately owned vehicle. And I went through a few, but I finally found the perfect one and I, I decked it all out and it was just perfect. And no sooner did I make my own perfect mail delivery vehicle than the government comes along and says, nope, you've got to use this Mercedes Metris. Uh-huh. I'm like, okay. So I get my Mercedes Metris and it's got less than 30 miles on it. And I think to myself, I've always wanted a brand new Mercedes. <laughs> After driving that thing for about a week, delivering mail, I never want a Mercedes again. Well, I started buying Jeeps at about 25, 
I don't know, over 20 years ago. And uh, they're real popular with the carry, mail carriers. And I finally asked them, them why. And they said, we burn up the brakes, and you have to constantly replace the brakes. People don't realize there's that. Two, there's another reason. Until recently, Subaru and Jeep were the only companies that you could buy, even order, even special order a vehicle with the steering drive. wheel on the other side. Yeah, from Australia or Japan, I think. Right. And, then, and then Subaru stopped doing it. And then for the last several years, Jeep was the only vehicle that you could buy without importing from another country with the steering well, wheel. I know a, a girl that wrecked hers and that she had to get weight and get her shipped in from Australia to get mm-hmm. one, a Jeep left-hand drive. But there's so many that get the pedals mounted on the other side and they drive right. from the passenger side. Yeah, you, you get what's called a conversion kit. That's what I had in mind yeah. last vehicle. But, but yeah, but yeah, now, I mean, be. the government, so so I mentioned my Mercedes mattress, right? Yeah. The, the infinite wisdom of the federal government, they went out and they bought these Mercedes mattress vans, which I'm going to say are about $30,000 a piece. And it's Drift my understanding. No, no features, no, no frills. No, no frills. They they bought them, and I believe they bought about thirty thousand of them, and they went around replacing not the thirty or forty year old LLVs that you see delivering mail. They went around and said that people like me that had our own private vehicles had to stop using our private vehicles and then start using this government vehicle. Okay, but when they did that, they drew arbitrary lines and said if your route is more than I don't remember the numbers. I'm going to make up numbers. If your route is more than 75 miles long or less than 35 miles long, you get one of these vehicles. Well, mine was one of them. I was one of the very first people in my office to get this Mercedes Metris van. I didn't want it. I had the perfect delivery vehicle. I had created my own perfect delivery vehicle, and they were giving me one that I felt was less safe and not as optimized as my own private vehicle. Okay, stuff happens. Your boss is telling you to do it. Shove it down your own throat, whatever. In my own office, there were several other people who would have been happy to take the Mercedes Metris vehicle. But no, that wasn't allowed. It had to be me. It had to be my route that got the vehicle. So I got it. One of the problems is my my own personal, the one I had created, had windows all the way around. It was front-wheel drive, which is far better in the snow. Oh, yeah. And, you know, all these things. Like several safety issues. That So I wrote a letter. I wrote a letter to my postmaster to and, and, and to the postmaster general. And I said, this doesn't make any sense. You're making me replace my vehicle with one that I consider to be far less safe. Inferior. And I gave, I, I gave the exact reasons I thought it was far less safe. And I never got a response back from any of them. You have to wonder what the deals were made behind the scenes, you know, why these this was done. You know, cronyism or something. But um, 
What do you yeah, think about the two hats that the postmaster wears versus the manager of the United States Postal Service in that in that particular post office? They they kind of are dual role, aren't they? The yeah, postmaster no. is, huh? I, I don't is know what you're only, talking about. Uh, the, the only guy left from the original post office is the postmaster. And uh, the rest of them are under this United States Postal Service. Well, even the postmasters are part of the postal service now. The postal mm, yeah, but they still wear that postmaster hat. I think from the old, I guess, common law post office. Yeah, Is that, the, the, you know, the last the years heard... the, the last huh? presidentially appointed postmaster left the office uh, a couple of years ago. Wow. The postmaster is basically the fancy title for the biggest, highest ranking manager of your local post office. Every post office has a postmaster. Yeah, and it's a constitutional office. Yep. So, it, uh, in common law, it still exists. I've heard some patriots claim that they, over the decades, the last 25, 30 years, if you do it right, you can still send a, a general delivery uh, piece of mail, postcard or something, from one postmaster to another and have somebody go pick it up general delivery. <laughs> and it's still like three cents. That's what <laughs> the claim is. I, I've heard that too, but I don't know how that's going to work. I mean, I can tell you some tricks that I've seen people doing that that, that get stuff delivered for free. Some that's of crazy. them are really creative and funny, but they book, are book, illegal. Book, book rates or... <laughs> no, the book rate is good. I mean, you know, that's media rate. You know, um, DVDs, audio, and print materials. That's that's the media rate. That's pretty cheap, but that's not free. I've seen no. some shady stuff where people just get stuff delivered for free. <laughs> well, anyway, I, you may have another caller, and I've, ram- I've rambled on long enough, I guess. So I uh, appreciate your helping out RBN, and maybe you need to put yourself on a limited substitute uh, host list or something in case you need it. somebody needs to have you come back well i do plan to leave the studio set up as it is like you know i've got the microphone like mounted to the to, to the desk and i see no reason to unmount it so yeah um, you could be called upon to be an emergency special host or something emergency special host i kind of like that Check, uh, check your email, by the way. I sent you a Facebook and an email message. Tom from Utah was really, for some reason, thinks you know some upstanding lawyers that can help with this Marine who's had his records vanish on him and a roommate stole him. Uh, his name is Ron, and uh, it's um, Meadows Fire. The guy's going up against the wall. Uh, it looks like they've targeted him for some reason. Uh, his... Ex- Last defense attorney tried to um, use his military service to get the court to grant leniency. Well, they checked in, and the base he was last discharged from or whatever campfire says, we don't know who you're talking about. We have no record of his service. And then his roommate stole all his stuff. So it's a it's a sad case out there in, uh, I can't remember the name of the town in Utah, near Salt Lake City, but uh, I so check your email. I sent you a message on that. I uh, I, I see you in my email inbox yeah. now. Um, however, yeah, you know, I do you not were, know were, any. I don't. I don't know any lawyers. I thought. Uh, oh, okay. For some reason, I thought he. 
He said he thought you had one. Nope. All right. I don't have All a lawyer. Right. Haven't had one since my uh, my last divorce. <laughs> anyway, right. thank you to uh, Joe Lombardi for joining us in my final show. Thank you, Mike, my producer. Could not do this show without you. Thank you, listeners and callers. You're why I did it in the first place. For the last time, I'm signing off. Protect your liberties. Once they're gone, there's no getting them back. God bless America. It's the least we can do for the red, white, and blue. We must take America back. We must take America Do you truly want to stay out of the system? Are you prepared to buy into the biggest scam since the Iraqi dinar? If not, then put your money where it belongs, in your possession, not in the hands of an international MLM cartel. At Kettle Moraine Limited, we will provide you with the finest Swiss-minted detachable gram sheets of pure 24-karat gold for hundreds of dollars less than the so-called privately-issued credit cards with elusive gold backing. Gold backing... The only gold that I want is in my back pocket, not backed by promises of an operation even the U.S. Chamber of Commerce is suspect of, giving a rating of C-. To get the full story, visit SierraMadrePreciousMetals.com and go to the Valcombi Bullion Vault. Once you have read the whole story about the scam being perpetrated on an unsuspecting public and how you can avoid being a victim by purchasing these beautiful, barterable, tradable sheets of gold at tremendous savings and in the strictest of privacy, be prepared to take the steps to protect your wealth with the purchase of the real deal. Detachable 50-gram gold bars from Kettle Moraine Limited by calling 602-799-8214. Ask about our one-ounce Valcombi detachable bars, which break into one-tenth ounce bars. And don't forget, for all of your precious metal needs, whether buying or having the need to sell, call Kettle Moraine Limited. Remember, no dinar, no celery, and no carrots. If you buy from someone else... Tell them you want AU, not BS. Call Kettle Moraine LTD today at 602-799-8214. Kettle Moraine LTD, 602-799-8214. Are you one of the millions of people who feel like there is a dark cloud hanging over their heads whenever they're using pharmaceutical drugs? For some, the short-term relief can turn into an opioid addiction nightmare. Have you ever wondered why CBD oil is a billion-dollar industry? It's because it works better than opioids and is actually healthy for you. However, CBD oil is stripped of all other helpful compounds found in the hemp plant. According to neuroscientists, the whole hemp plant, otherwise known as hemp paste, is even more effective than the chemically processed CBD oil. Are you ready to take back your health? You can try hemp paste for the price of a cup of coffee. HempPaste.com slash RBN. Free shipping on orders over $50. See the banners for Hemp Paste at republicbroadcasting.org and visit HempPaste.com slash RBN. You can't handle the truth!
You're listening to Republic Broadcasting Network. Visit republicbroadcasting.org today because you can handle the truth.